One of the major reasons our world finds itself in such a painful mess is because God's people have allowed the world to define what is normal for society. This sad fact is extremely apparent as related to the institution of marriage. Listen in today as Pastor Rander continues to speak about this matter in the message, Misconceptions in Marriage. He'll begin our discussion in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 32. Number 11, the 11th misconception, misconceptions of roles and responsibilities. There are misconceptions about roles and responsibilities of each spouse. Ephesians 5, 22 through 25 says, wives, submit to your own husband. Okay, as to the Lord. Ooh, so many people hate this passage, especially women's liberation and rights movements and all of this. They just want to cut it out. But it's there. Wives, submit to your own husband, implying that you only have one. As to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In everything. The husband is to be the head of the house, the priest in the home, and he should guide the family in the way of the Lord. And when that husband loves God, and when that husband loves his family, he will have a healthy respect for his wife. He will honor her. He will not use his headship as dictatorship and uh, you won't use your wife as a doormat and all these kinds of things. It doesn't mean that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. How did he do that? He died for the church. He sacrificed his life for the church. He was willing to die for his wife. Man, are you willing to die sacrificially for your wife? Do you love enough when somebody ring that doorbell at an odd hour, you don't tell her, go, honey, go answer the door. <laughs> no, you go answer that door. If you can't shoot, get, get a lamp or something. That's right. Get a lamp or something. Yeah. Get a lamp. Now, y'all be careful about buying them guns. You might shoot each other. Okay, so be careful about these guns now. <laughs> and you know, and I, you know, and so we're going to get a gun just to protect our family. Just while we're going to the shooting range. But you know something about women? I, I strange thing about women. They don't have they don't need a shooting range. <laughs> they can just go like this. Boom! Right in the heart. Or right in there. They don't, they don't need a shooting range. They just go. Boom! Boom! And they hit them. They ain't even aim. They don't need a range. <laughs> they don't need a range. Don't take them to a range. <laughs> It is a beautiful thing when a husband and wife can share responsibilities and do whatever it takes to get the job done as a team, cooking as a team. My wife being there, I'm not the best to cook, but I go in there and I say, honey, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And she said, well, cut up the onions. And if I'm cutting up the onions, she's over there doing something to the meat. And my eyes are watering, but I'm cutting them onions. (laughs) I just got through preaching, but I'm tired, but I'm going to go and cry over them onions. You know, I cut onions, you know, and try not to cut my finger. So, so men cut the onions. Okay? Submit. I mean, this is, it's a mutual thing also. 
Uh, so you, you cook as a team. You, you're cleaning. You're taking care of the children together. It's, it's a partnership. It's teamwork. You're doing yard work together. If you don't like yard work, then get some. If you're able financially, get somebody to do the yard. If you don't, you're not good at housekeeping and you can afford it, then get somebody to clean the house. Fixing things and taking out the trash. All in partnership together. It doesn't have to be gender specific. You see? Well, I know you ladies like that. It doesn't have to be gender specific. <laughs> if a spouse has strength in a particular area, then let them operate within the marriage in that specific area. Don't force someone who can't cook to cook. They're going to burn it every time. Or to do the checkbook when checks are bouncing. You're going to learn how to do this and they just can't do it. You know how to do it. You save yourself some money. Don't have checks bouncing around all over the place and you know how to do it and you mad because he don't know. You have got to compliment his weaknesses. Don't let him struggle. Hey, we got to both know how to. Wait a minute. If you can do it better, you do it. You do it. Whoever can do it better, do that to the glory of God. Y'all enjoying these misconceptions. You wait till next week. You haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Number 12. Another misconception is that our marriage is the only one with problems. That's a misconception. How many of you all in here married? Raise your hand. How many of you all in here had problems or having problems? Raise your hand. Okay, now look around. And so, that, so you can see by those hands, that's a misconception. Put them down. Thank you. John 16, says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Peace comes through being in Christ. In the world you will have tribulations, you're going to have problems, you're going to have trials and issues. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There's no problem that intrudes into your marriage that God cannot fix. Peace comes from keeping your focus on Christ through your problems. Don't focus on the problem, focus on Christ and let him give you the insight into those problems. The mere fact that we are not perfect lends itself to problems and misunderstandings. We are two imperfect people serving a perfect God. There is no problem that intrudes into our lives that our Lord cannot resolve. If we use biblical principles from the word, communicate, and wait on the Lord to bring resolution. Allow Christ to triumph over sin in your lives, over Satan, death, and the grave. And that same God that conquered sin, conquered death, and conquered the grave is able enough to conquer any problem that intrudes into your marriage to the glory of Almighty God. Number 13, the 13th misconception is this, that the company you keep doesn't influence your behavior or thinking in marriage. That the company you keep doesn't influence your behavior or thinking in marriage. Uh, yes, it will, too. You keep bad company, man, running with boys that's doing all kind of stuff, then that will influence your marriage in a negative way. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Beloved, don't keep company with those who will put your marriage in danger of spiritual regression or, ev or even worse, separation. Don't allow anybody to come in and influence your marriage and break up the marriage. Break ties with those who are a negative influence on your marriage. 
Break ties. Now, it can be kind of hard, but I don't care if they are your sorrow, your frat brother, or whatever, your, your longtime classmate from 1932. You know, if they even if it's a cousin or a relative, sometimes they can break up your marriage. You know, use wisdom in that, however, but don't let anybody tear up your marriage. That's right. And don't let anybody talk your husband or talk your wife down. That's right. They go, your husband is this, your husband is this, your husband is this, your husband is this. Then you act a fool and divorce him. And then she married. <laughs> she talks you right out of your husband for her own sake. Watch that stuff. It may be true what she's saying, but that's not her business. And don't let anybody talk your spouse down. Because when they talk your spouse down, they're talking about you. You one flush. To talk, Cynthia, for them to talk about Leon is to talk about you. Yeah, talking about him is just like talking about your mama. You're not going to let him do, you're not going to let him do That's my husband. It may be true, but you let us work that out. You shut up and pray. <laughs> I've been praying. <laughs> oh, God, help me with these misconceptions. The 14th misconception that my spouse will maintain their physical appearance throughout the marriage. That my spouse will maintain their physical appearance throughout the marriage. First, listen, now you got to be crazy. Do you see my head? It is black, bald, and beautiful. But there was a time I had a head full of hair. The Lord giveth, and the Lord... Don't you marry that man because he got good hair? Those muscles can drop, and everything else start flopping. That's right. <laughs> a lady named Sally. And those, I hope there's no Sally's in the house. We married, baby. Came home, and it was honeymoon time. Sally took off the hair. <laughs> Sally took off the girdle. Sally took off the makeup. <laughs> He's, poor man said, what do I have left? Marriage is the world's oldest institution established by God for our benefit and yet is entered into by most with unrealistic expectations. Join us today as Pastor Rander continues the series, God's Gift of Marriage and the Destructive Culture, with this message, Misconceptions in Marriage. He'll be teaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse number 32. Listen, First Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. It's so easy to look at the outer beauty because I have refused him. Sometimes you want to marry a good-looking man that the Lord has refused. You want to look at a good-looking woman? She's pretty, teeth all in place, fine as a dime. But the Lord says, I have. Refused her. It's dangerous to marry someone that the Lord has refused. 
For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Y'all marrying folk for all these external reasons. I want them tall and handsome. I want them long fingers and all that stupid stuff. 2 Corinthians 4, 18a says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, and beautiful clothes. That don't make a woman and that don't make a man. They can be finely dressed and just as sick as they can be. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. It's what's inside that count. Anything that is not changing is dying. It is unfortunate for anyone to think that the person they marry will look the same 20 years from now. That's why it's important that we focus on the inner beauty and not the outer beauty because that, my friend, is a fading glory. However, just because age is changing us and changing our physical appearance, you still need to fix yourself up and stay attractive to your spouse. Just because you're growing old don't mean you have to grow old and ugly. If, if you need a little makeup, go and use a little makeup. All right? Just don't overdo it. If you wait over here, wear a little stuff. You know, spruce it up. Be attracted to your husband. Your husband been in that office with all them women. And you, you can't come home dragging yourself and being musty, lady. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Your husband right now, you need to look fine. You need to smell good. That's right. You need to surprise him. That's right, because he's been around all them good-looking women in the office all day long. Uh-huh. And that's why a lot of them commit adultery, because you ain't doing nothing for yourself. He run all them women talking about, oh, you sure look good. Compliment your husband, too. Compliment your wife on both sides. Don't, don't be a slouch around your husband. Have some respect. My wife is gorgeous even in her pajamas. Maybe I need to renew my vows tonight. (laughs) Oh, last but not the least. One more. Number 15. Another myth is good marriages are built on great sex. That's a myth. You're getting quiet now. Don't talk about sex in here. Hush, hush. Are you kidding me with all them viral commercials? Cialis and all that stuff. Every other commercial. I get so sick and tired of that stuff. You know, hush, don't talk about it. You better talk about it in here in a healthy context, biblically, to the glory of Almighty God. What's the big secret? You better talk about sex to your children, too. Some of it, some of them doing it right around you, and you thinking they virgins. Good marriages are built on great sex. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with a genuine affection 
and take delight in honoring each other. You know, you don't just look at your spouse as a sex object. You're to honor them. You're to see them as a godly man, a godly woman, healthy affection. Marriages are to be built upon God and his word and not sex. Our culture is trying to make an idol out of sex and sexuality. If they sell hamburgers, it's about sex. Cologne, about sex. Clothes, all you see is the backside, long legs with high heel shoes. They make an idol out of sex and they use everything to showcase it. God created sex to be enjoyed within the context of a married heterosexual relationship. Now, I have very few amens on that. I think I need to say that again so you can say a big amen. God created sex to be enjoyed within the context of a married, heterosexual, male-female, married relationship. Man, however, it is only one component of the marriage. Your focus should be on continuously building a healthy well-balanced relationship in all areas of your marriage. Listen to this. The quality of your marriage isn't determined by the amount of sex you have. The quality of your marriage isn't determined by the amount of sex you have. Sex starts in the kitchen with washing dishes. That's right. You won't do nothing all day long, and then you want to start breathing in somebody's face. Won't lift a finger to do nothing. And all of a sudden, you're calling a baby and mama, sweetheart, lubby-dubby. That's right. That's right. And your wife is not for sale either, men. Do a good deed and you want sex to follow afterwards. All right, number 16, final point. Y'all got quiet on that one. Quiet on that one. Number 16. Here's the last misconception for the day. Now that you are married, the courtship is over and you can stop doing the things you did prior to marriage. Now that, the, now that you are married, the courtship is what? Over and you can stop doing the things you did prior to marriage. It's amazing. Hey, y'all can be so in love. Just hours together. Can't wait to get together. On the phone for hours. Texting and tweeting and uh, Skyping and you're doing everything. Oh, you just, oh, 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 you just madly in love. I just love you, baby. I can't wait till we go on and say, I do. Holding hands and you licking ice cream cones together, taking strolls in the mall. You just, you just love it before. But after you say, I do, the man can't even open a car door, can't pull out a chair for her to sit down. That's right. She can't pour coffee for her husband. Do it yourself. What's wrong with your hands? Uh, I'm tired just like you. I worked all day. Oh, my goodness. You, stop being short. Some of y'all too mean. You mean, 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 mean. And then come to church. Oh, how you doing, Sister Jones? Shut up. You can't say... How you doing, Jack? I love you, babe. Don't come in here showcasing your hypocrisy. 
God help me. Keep the romance in the marriage. My wife and I, we had date night last Friday. We went out to the play. What was that, that play? What's that play what called, baby? Was it called, what was it called? Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. We saw that play on to a little intimate play. And we were just sitting right there, swinging them swords, and we were on the front seat. I was backing up and jacking. I thought my feet were finna get cut off or something. That play didn't start. First of all, I told my wife, that's just amazing how that thing didn't start till 8 o'clock at night. And if we started church at 8 o'clock tonight, it'd be just me and my wife here. <laughs> it's amazing. It didn't start till 8. I look at my watch, and I got, I said, God, 8. And then it went, the intermission was at about 9.30. And then when we got out, it was 11 o'clock. And we just kept on hanging. We, had, we acted like we were 16 all over again. Then we went on down 281 to BJ's. And we just sat there, looked at each other, full of nostalgia, reminisced, talked. And ate some chicken wings. I ain't gonna. T- That's all I'm gonna say. Y'all love my business. <laughs> but you know what? Even though we got late, we stayed there, and we were the last ones at BJ's until they had to cut out the lights. One o'clock in the morning. When is the last time, man, you stayed out with your wife that time morning and didn't look at your clock? You did it before you said I do. Where's the romance? You tired already after two years? You want to hear some romance? The Bible has romance. If you have your Bibles, if you can find it fast enough, because I know you haven't put your fingers on it in quite some time, find the Song of Solomon. Go look at the table of content. Let your pride go. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It's going to make you blush. Romance. Um, Solomon had romance in his marriage for his bride. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, it says, How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools of Heshbon by the gate of Beth-Rabim. Your nose is as fine as the Tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel. And the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive 
by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are. When last time you said that, man? How pleasing, my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree and your breast are like its clusters of fruit. I said I will climb the palm tree. Wow. I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. We just told you what the fruit was. May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. You don't have to say get a mint. (laughs) May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine. Yes, wine that goes down smoothly for my lover. Flowing gently over lips and teeth. I am my lover's, and he claims me as his. Oh. You can't, it's getting hot in here. Solomon will teach you some romantic talk. So if you need some love language, go to Solomon and borrow some of his statements and knock your spouse of his or her feet. In other words, as I conclude, true love will keep the romance in the marriage. And all God's children said, amen. God bless you. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this message. So insightful. Lot of truth. Lot of practical insights in a time when holy matrimony means absolutely nothing in this world system. Father, help us to celebrate what you have created and honor that which belongs to you because it came from you. You're the great architect of marriage. You designed it. It's yours. And oh, how sweet our relationships can be if we take these biblical principles and inculcate them into our marriage to the glory of God. And all God's children said... If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109 directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.